You're listening to the Gluten-Free Globalicious podcast with gluten-free chef Lori Miller. Today I'll be sharing my recent interview with Maria Fowler, who's the founder of Be A Better You Fitness in Long Island, New York. Maria lives with celiac disease, but turned her life around and became a fitness trainer, youth trainer, and nutritional consultant certified by the International Sports Science Association. She's also a certified wellness coach. Maria is dedicated to helping others feel better, look better, and work towards achieving better health. She's the author of Baby Steps, a realistic guide to being a better you now available on Amazon.com. After the birth of her second son, Maria suffered a multitude of symptoms that caused much concern for her and her family. Let's listen in now as Maria shares her story on what exactly happened to her after giving birth. him I got very very sick so that changed my whole world that changed my life I I was deathly sick actually right after I had him immediately after I had him and I was back and forth to multiple hospitals and I was back and forth to multiple specialists from cardiologists to endocrinologists allergists um, neurologists and not one of those doctors could find anything physically wrong with me. I had hundreds, actually hundreds of tests done, from MRIs to these horrible tests that the ENTs put you through where they flip you upside down on a board, and, you know, blood work and, and so many different testings done. And finally, one of the doctors told me that he believed I had postpartum anxiety and depression. Okay. I had, yes, that's, that's what they believed. That's what many of them said. Mm-hmm. I had lost about 40 pounds in 30 days. My blood pressure was very, very high, even though I had normal blood pressure my whole life. Mm-hmm. And some of my symptoms during this time included stomach issues, uh, all sorts of stomach issues, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. severe headaches, severe vertigo, shaking. Um, my body would just shake for no reason. Um, so many different things that were going on at this time. And when when no one could find anything that was really wrong, they, they wanted me to go see a psychiatrist. So I, I had this firm belief. I had this firm passion that I did not have postpartum, that I did not have anxiety because because it just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem to fit any of the symptoms. But my family was suffering. I had a newborn. I had a a two-and-a-half-year-old. My husband was working constantly. It was very difficult for me to to function, being so sick. And, you know, I remember my dad crying in the garage, like, Maria, we have to fix you. Something, I know something's going on, but you really, you need help. And... Finally, I broke and I went to see the psychiatrist who basically he listened to me talk for about seven minutes and then he told me, yes, you have a clear-cut case of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Mm. And he immediately wrote me a script and I looked at him and I said, well, don't you want to hear the rest of my story? Uh (laughs) And he said, well, this is clear-cut. So I said, but couldn't it be something else? Because I don't feel sad. I don't want to hurt myself or my kids. I want to continue to wake up every morning, and I do. 
Mm-hmm. I do wake up every morning and I do take care of my family. And she was adamant that that's what I had and that if I went on medicine, that that, that would help me. Mm. So that's how all that started after I had Jason, um, my second son, my baby. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I even though I was reluctant to take the medicine because I had never taken anything like that, I wanted to feel better. I was it, it was really quite terrible. I really thought that I was dying, and and so I I listened and I took the medicine, and the medicine kept me awake for nine nights. Oh gosh! So <laughs> so that defeated the whole purpose because you were not getting any of the rejuvenation that your body needed. Yes, a hundred percent correct. So when I was awake for the nine nights, and and I mean wide awake, Lori, I did not sleep. There was no sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, My my husband called, and they said that, you know, I needed to come in immediately, that I was manic. And again, I said, something's not right. Something's not adding up. And they wanted to put me, when I went back in, they wanted to put me on an antipsychotic. And I said, no, absolutely not. Something's wrong. So they took me off whatever medicine I was on at that point, put me on a different medicine. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I started to feel despair. And I started to feel as if I was at rock bottom. Because not only was I on a medicine that I, you know, it was affecting me badly, but now they put me on a different medicine without weaning me off of another medicine. Oh, gosh. Your body was really having, like, a lot of chaos inside then. Lori, I had never felt anything like this before in my life, and I will tell you, this went on for months, two to three months, and it felt like years. It felt like years, and the, the very the very worst of it, absolute rock bottom, was... Mm-hmm. I had went to the cemetery to see my grandmother, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you remember, way back in 2009, we had a series of, like, three small earthquakes on Long Island, mm-hmm. and I was sitting on my grandmother's grave when we had this earthquake, and I thought that something was happening, and then I, I really thought that I had lost it. I thought that I was hallucinating, I was hearing things, and I drove home, and I told my husband, you need to take me to the hospital because I have lost my mind. (laughs) And he said, we just had an earthquake. And so (laughs) I went, yeah, it was crazy. And I went upstairs and I I locked myself in the bedroom and I sat there and I talked to myself until I was talking in circles. And Mm. finally I said, what, what could this be? This is not depression. What could this be? Mm -hmm. And that's when I got on the computer and I researched and researched and I came up with a list. And one of those things on that list was celiac disease. And oh. I took it to this doctor and I said, I want to be tested for these. Ten things on this list that no doctor had tested mm-hmm. before. I said, test me for these. He said, absolutely not. You don't have any of these. Oh. I said, if you yeah, it, it was really, it was really he terrible. Just, I, said, I mean, how he, he said that <laughs> so confidently without testing you. Correct. And he said, and I said to him, if you don't test me for these, I said, I am going to cause a huge scene in your waiting room. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, I will test you, and then I want you to leave and never come back to my office. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. And a week later, his secretary called me and said, you have celiac disease. You have tested positive for 
five of the things that were on this. <laughs> yeah. I, I tested positive for celiac disease, for Epstein-Barr disease, mm-hmm. for D3 deficiency, for B12 deficiency, mm-hmm. for anemia. Mm-hmm. And then I found out a month later that I also had Lyme disease. Oh, gosh. So probably so. Maybe, maybe that maybe that Lyme disease had just been wearing down your immune system too and then combined with the celiac disease. Because it's a very common thing for us to have anemia. Yes. It's very common. My mom has chronic anemia, and she was just tested at 75 years old for celiac disease too. So I, I get it from her. Well, yeah, and you know, when we have celiac, we're not, and we're not treating it properly, we're malnourished. Right, so right. We, do, we don't absorb. We yes, don't absorb. yes, because my doctor told me, because I had that, that bloated stomach, you know, like, you know, you see those those kids on the commercials that, you know, the, the kids in Africa that have the big bloated bellies, and your heart breaks when you see that, and that's how a lot of our bellies are, bloated, and, and my doctor said, well, that's because they're malnourished, and that's a lot of celiacs are malnourished, and the yes. that's why you're anemic, because you don't get the nourishment, it's it's completely malnourishment that's causing that bloatedness. And I was like, yeah. my gosh, when you really think about it that way, you're like, your bodies are suffering a lot. And then, you know, you heard some of my story and I'm hearing yours and we're all listening. And it's like a lot of us go through a lot of physical issues and, and, it, yeah. and it can cross, the, you know, into the brain barrier and cause the, you know, you feel like something's wrong. What's going on with me? Yes, yes. And then being that malnourished, and that nutrient deficient, mm-hmm. you're you're also suffering from a variety of other symptoms between the shaking, yeah. the pain, the hair loss, the skin issues, the stomach issues. I mean, right. it goes on and on. Yeah. And you know, I one of the doctors actually one of the more helpful doctors who I saw after told me that my celiac was actually uh, dormant and it was activated after I had my second son, and that's yeah. why. I didn't get devastatingly sick until then. Oh, okay. Yeah, that can happen. So he, that's what he said. He said sometimes the trauma can bring out the celiac. Um, so and that was really interesting. After you, if we're di- after you were finally diagnosed, so you never had contact with that doctor again? Absolutely not. He, I, I was hoping, like, you'd say, oh, he called to apologize. <laughs> nothing. Oh, Absolutely geez. nothing. And then, so you had to, you know, everything had to go into a different mode in your house. How was, how did you start the transition of going into gluten-free household and, or for yourself? And, you know, what was the challenges that you faced? Well, my biggest challenge was, was getting myself off of all the medicine that I wasn't supposed to be on. Okay. At, at the very same time as transitioning to gluten-free. Now, prior to this, I was not aware of what celiac was at all. Mm -hmm. And what I did, Lori, was I spent so much time on the computer and in the library Mm -hmm. and talking to a trusted doctor. And I, I, I basically, it took me 18 months to really get myself better. It took 18 months to get completely off all of the medicine that they had me on mm-hmm. and and to heal my body. And thank God that my husband was 100% supportive of this process because 
it was really difficult with the newborn and my, you know, my, my then he was three year old, um, you know, once we figured out that it was celiac and just to transition without his support, I know it would have been, it would have been very difficult. He helped me with everything. He helped me research. He helped me buy the food. He helped me cook the food. Now my husband is an amazing cook. Mm-hmm. I am not the best cook in the world, but mm-hmm. he helped me with all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, really special. It really is. It really is. And I would not stop researching until I learned every single thing there was to learn about celiac disease. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you, so probably say a good solid 18 months that, you know, you accepted that, okay, this is going to be our life forever, gluten-free life. It's so things kind of like in your life just came a little, you know, less stressful, right? I mean, you were adapting into your new routine, a new way of life. And did you get that peace that you hadn't had for so long? Yes. I mean, it was, well, first it was a relief. Right. It was a huge relief because. We would, me and my husband had, it was such a stressful time with me being so sick and not knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that changes your life. That changes your marriage. That changes everything. Right. And, you know, there were times where I was so sick and stressed and scared mm-hmm. that I would just push him away and I would just treat him badly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he still, he still stayed. And once we found out what it was and that it wasn't, it wasn't something that was going to, you know, be the death of me or something that was going to significantly affect my health, you know, tremendously. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, there are so many worse things, right? right? Yeah. Um, and while having celiac, you know, there's so many different ways that it can affect you and that you can get sick and the symptoms that you can have. Mm-hmm. But, but the way we saw it was there's just so many other things and it could have been so much worse. And I think we were both just so relieved and so grateful and it did give us peace. It did. It gave me tremendous peace. Mm-hmm. It really did. So you you didn't know about celiac disease, but were you able to um, after your diagnosis and things got settled? Were you able to meet people, or did you know anybody that had celiac disease? Unfortunately, it was there was no one mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. There was there was no one I knew. Mm-hmm. No one that I met. And I, I talked to anyone and everyone I could about it. I was very open. I would talk to anybody who had an ear at that point because I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. And I did not come across at that time anyone who knew anything about that. And it was years before I did, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. You know, just that short procedure from getting tested to getting diagnosis getting diagnosed and then going on with the journey, the lifelong journey, that that's a, that's a lot for all of us, for everybody to go through. And in this month's publication of gluten-free, um, life, your husband will share, you know, his experiences about living through your diagnosis too. And I, you know, obviously it's very obvious that he's very supportive and, and like you've mentioned it too, but how has it been on your kids? I mean, they, they had to go through it. And I, I remember that your son has some uh, nut allergies, but are they living gluten-free life or do they have other food issues or allergies too that you have to, well, you I, had to adjust to? Yes, actually. When I was going through all of this, <laughs> all of this, um, my son, my oldest son, Austin, like I said, he was about, you know, two and a half to three. 
we had just found out that she had food allergies to peanuts, tree nuts, dairy, soy, um, and I think sesame seeds at that at that point years ago. Mm-hmm. So we were already transitioning our household to be, you know, peanut and tree nut free and dairy free and soy free and to try and get my child to eat foods that were not going to affect him in a bad way or give him anaphylaxis or make him break out into hives because that mm-hmm. was one of his worst symptoms. He would constantly have hives and severe eczema. That mm-hmm. was really stressful also because mm-hmm. soy is in everything. Dairy is yeah. in so many things. So that gave me some experience when food shopping and label reading and, you know, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were pretty familiar with, you know, doing your investigative work on food, which is such a requirement for all of us. We have to always make sure we read those labels just for our safety, for our life. Absolutely. I agree completely. Label reading, I think I think they should teach it in school. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. It's imperative. It's My son, vital. I agree. My son, Austin, his... First, the first words that he learned how to spell uh-huh. when he when he was about three were milk, oh. peanuts, uh-huh. <laughs> and soy. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Because, uh-huh. you know, you're putting your child in the care of, of other adults when they go to school. And as we all know, sometimes adults can make mistakes, just like anyone else, even with the best intentions. And I wanted him to learn how to read his, his own labels. And uh-huh. he... He, he did. He really did. It was great. Well, good for him and good for you for teaching him how to do that. So you're, I mean, you're really overwhelmed. Uh, I shouldn't say overwhelmed, but in a good way because you're, you're a mom, you're a wife, and you're living this life that, you know, you're trying to stay healthy for you, for your kids, and keep everybody there healthy. And, but your, your main role outside of your loving family is as a fitness trainer, and, you know, yeah. I I went to check out your website, and you have some really impressive certifications. And, you know, we loved hearing about all of your experience of finding out about celiac disease. But I think um, my listeners probably want to know, too, about this side of you. And how long of a period did it take for you to accomplish all these steps? Like, from the time that you decided that that's where you wanted to be was working in the fitness industry – how did you go about starting that to get that process started to get those certifications? And how long did it take you? Well, it's interesting because I always knew that, you know, I was supposed to help people somehow. And so prior to what I do now, I, I always, you know, I always was in the industry of helping people. I was a counselor for, you know, at-risk youth, and I did that for five years before I had children. But then when I had Jay and I got sick after I was on the road to recovery, I knew I was supposed to do more. And I said, you know, I wish that there had been somebody to help me through what I was going through that knew that, you know, that understood. And there was nobody. And I promised myself I would never find somebody in the same position and not help them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know where to start. So... I started back to basics, just talking to everybody I could, and then I ended up meeting, a, you know, a really amazing trainer, uh, a trainer and woman who hired me 
to basically be her assistant. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved to do that because it was part-time and I was able to work around my kids' schedule. But she was into health and nutrition and fitness and everything that I wanted to really be a part of. And, mm-hmm. she, and I learned a lot from her. And I decided I was going to get my certifications. And it took me about two years to get three of them. My, my fitness trainer certification my wellness coach certification, and my nutrition consultant certification. I did those in two years. Mm -hmm. And then I recently, last year actually, I got my youth fitness trainer certification as well. And I'm going to be, within the next two years, I'll be getting a couple more certifications. But to do all of these things together Mm -hmm. for someone, you know, who's experiencing any kind of symptoms, um, any any symptoms like us, you know, people who have celiac, we can heal ourselves with nutrition, with fitness, with the proper supplements if we're malnourished. And mm-hmm. to be able to, to show them and teach them how they can do that and empower themselves to do that and not rely on a doctor, that's where, that's where my passion comes from. And I, maybe I got a little off track, but I just get so... I'm passionate is the word. I get so passionate talking about it. No, I mean, I love that passion that you have. And, and really, the only treatment for living a celiac life is to stay off the gluten. That's, the, that's our only cure. There's no medication for that. And like you say, to, to balance that out with a healthy lifestyle, fitness, and that, that is the answer. So you, what you're doing to help people is really giving people back their life or if they want that. Some people don't want it. I've met people like that who I've cooked for who, who you know, they'll, they'll eat healthy gluten-free food and then the next day they'll get off track and they'll go have a burger with a regular bun and, and they'll have ice cream if they can't have dairy and then they're feeling sick for three days. And it's kind of like that leaves you with, me, you know, people with like, what's going on? Why would you do that? Well, it's like self-sabotage and you know, then having to hear them complain about how they feel sick for the next day or the next week or whatever it is. And, you know, that doesn't make sense. That just doesn't make sense to me. So you are putting out the answers for people. And uh, many of us try to do that. And it's up to the person to choose whether they want to live like that or not. Yes, 100%. But at least you are giving them the answer. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, the fact that you say that, I just think back to myself, I wouldn't have given anything for someone like me mm-hmm. to help me mm-hmm. or like you to help me. I would have given anything at that time because my suffering was so significant, Lori. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, it, I mean, for, for people to suffer that significantly and then not accept the help or not live by the diet. Mm -hmm. The only thing I say to them, and and I do say this quite often, is I say, then you must not be suffering that badly. Right? Yes, yes, it's true. (laughs) Your pain pain must not be that bad. Yes. You must not be suffering that bad. It must not hurt that bad. Mm -hmm. Because when that was me, Mm -hmm. I would have given my right arm Mm -hmm. to feel better. Mm-hmm. That's how badly I suffered. So, you know, and, and then I once they get to that point, then they'll they'll do what they have to do. Right. 
Yeah, that I agree with all of that, Maria. You're doing great work. And there's so much to know about you. I mean, really, there's like all these little kind of like nooks and crannies of things that you do. And and also, I mean, you just you just wrote a book. It was published a few months back. And so congratulations. And I want our our listeners to know that you wrote your book, Baby Steps. And I want to ask you, what made you decide to write a book? I mean, you have a lot to share. So obviously, that's it. But what made you decide to go ahead and put it down on paper? for everybody um thank you and you know I always I always loved writing mm-hmm. ever since I was a child I loved writing and reading reading was a huge passion and it still is a huge passion of mine and I always wanted to write books I started off with poetry and articles but I always wanted to write books mm-hmm. and what I what I found with my my particular client base many of them are busy working parents Mm -hmm. and they just the biggest excuse was I don't have time I don't have time Mm -hmm. and I found myself explaining ways to each and every one of them how they can find the time where they can find the time why it's important for them to find the time Mm -hmm. and I said to myself there's so many parents and and you know CEOs and busy people and even kids in high school who are athletes and all these people who feel they don't have the time because of the world we live in, they can't find the time. They don't have the time to work mm-hmm. on their own health. Mm-hmm. And they said, I'm going to write a book mm-hmm. about how they can find the time to work on their health and why it's important and where they can start if they don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. And I made sure that it was short. Because if they don't have the time to work on their health, then mm-hmm. they certainly don't have the time to read a 300-page book. <laughs> <laughs> so... It had to be short and direct, and and I'm going to be honest with you, I wrote it in less than a week. See. <laughs> Well, that's because yeah. that's because it was all your profound life experience that came out at one time. So, yeah, no, I know I've heard of people doing that, writing a book or a song in a matter of days, hours or whatever. It took a weekend because they have so much to share from their own insight. And that's, you know, when you hear that, you know that everything in that book is going to be authentic because how else could you know what to write if you haven't experienced it? Exactly. Amazing. So if anybody's listening and they're thinking, because I ask this to people that I interview now who've written books, if they're listening and they're thinking, well, like, you know, I don't have anything, but I have something that I might want to share, but maybe it's not enough and it's not something that everybody would be interested in. It's only going to, or maybe I have to have, you know, 300 pages, like you said, but yours is 45 pages. How would you encourage them not to listen to those negative voices in their head, but to just, what would be your advice for them to how to start their process? Well, you know, there are so many negative voices in our, in our heads. And that's something that I address in my own book because negative thoughts mm-hmm. are there, you know, they come at us all the time from, you know, our own, our, our own What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Whatever it is. We, mm-hmm. we always have negative thoughts. Okay. So we have all these negative thoughts. And we let them discourage us. And, you know, what we have to remember is if we want to write a book, if we want to do anything, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. So I would say start with the reason. Why do you want to write this book? 
what is it that you have to say? Who is this book for? What's, what's your audience? You know, who are you looking for this book to help or entertain? Or, you know, who needs this book? And then where are you going to start? Right. You know, because that, that's how I started with this particular book is I said, okay, why do I want to write this book? I want to write this book because there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. People need to hear it. Who's my audience? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then where do I start? I start with, you know, right now. People mm-hmm. are busy. They can't find the time. Just, you know, just start writing. Mm-hmm. Start writing. Don't let anything stop you because there is someone who needs to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And even if it's, you know, even if it's not a self-help book, even if it's just a romance novel, mm-hmm. for instance, there's people that want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. People are interested. They want to hear what you have to say. So don't be afraid to do it. Just dive in and do it. Mm-hmm. That is solid. That is really solid advice. Yep. I agree. Because it's, it's like you're saying, those negative voices, they make you feel like you're you're inadequate, that you're not enough. And I think a lot of people today in today's world either have too much confidence bordering on arrogance or they don't have enough confidence that it's bordering on insecurity. And it's kind of like you need to have that the balance of and I think the the overall thought process of what can I how how can I help people that will bring you to the reality of the situation very often where, you know, even if you feel insecure, don't have the confidence, maybe in some way I can help someone. I think if people focus on that, that will always give them the motivation to get their project started in some way. I agree. I agree. And like I said, even if it's something that's not self-help, even if it's not something mm-hmm. that is, you know, related to anything that has to do with health. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, if you want to write a book about pencils, if pencils are your passion, mm-hmm. believe me, there are people out there that are interested in pencils. And it's the truth. Right. It's really the truth. <laughs> so don't, don't be discouraged and think, oh, no one else is interested in this because that's mm-hmm. not true. There are billions of people in this world and there are others that are just like you that are interested in what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And you do have something to say. And if you have, a, you know, a passion for writing work, you just have an idea that, you want to start a book, then do it. Mm-hmm. Then do it. Very well said. So in going back to the, the helping people, you offer weight loss guidance, nutritious counseling, in-home fitness training, and you have also, which I love the title of food allergy assistance, and you provide those services to people. What service do people seek out more often from you? Or, or is it a combination or is it all four of those? I would say, I would say that most of my clients are interested in weight loss and toning, Mm -hmm. and then I do have a select few that do call me for the rest, the rest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I have my own studio, so in the last six months, I opened up my own studio Mm -hmm. where I live, and so I get to train clients here for, you know, whatever their health goals are, Mm -hmm. I tailor everything and I customize it to the individual. I read their blood work. I offer them suggestions. I tell them what to ask their doctor about. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I will recommend certain foods for them mm-hmm. that will benefit them and their own particular physical needs. And, 
I do the same thing with their workout plans. So, you know, some people need more cardio. Some people need more weightlifting. Some people have to do low impact. And whatever they need, it's all, it's all customized. It's all individual for them. And the food allergy assistance, that's, you know, that's my passion right there. Mm-hmm. So I always find myself helping people randomly with that. I, you know, and it, it's just people will call me and ask me questions and I don't take them on as clients, but I'll just, you know, I just can't help it. I just have to. I feel obligated mm-hmm. to answer whatever questions through Facebook and Instagram. I'm just constantly answering the questions because like I said earlier, I wish I had someone to help me at that mm-hmm. point. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I feel the same way. Yeah. So are you working with people mostly on local people that are in your area and surrounding cities or do you offer any online courses to people like online fitness? I have so many clients that are not in New York. Mm-hmm. I actually have a client in LA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's an aspiring rap artist. He moved out there last year. Um, I have clients in Texas, Florida, Brooklyn, um, all over. I do anything that I do here, mm-hmm. I can do for anyone all over the world. It's just a matter of if they want a fitness plan mm-hmm. personalized to them, I just can't be in their face. They have mm-hmm. to find the drive to be able to do whatever it is I'm asking them to do. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. I can do anything, you know, for anybody anywhere. They just need the drive to do that it. That is super. That's so great to hear that. I love that's the power of the internet, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So what's the most common concern people come to you with? Like, for example, if someone's coming to you for nutritional counseling, what are your first steps? How, what, you know, what direction do you point them in? Is it, you know, going into your cabinets and throwing out all the refined sugar or making a list of their favorite foods that they do like to eat and then adopting recipes? What are are your first steps for them? Well, I always do an intake with, you know, my clients. I always go over their history. I go, I ask them to bring me a log, a food log. Um, you, you know, usually about a week I like to see of what they're eating, what they're drinking, mm-hmm. any supplements or medications they're on. Mm-hmm. And then I take it from there. And, you know, nine times out of ten, if it's weight loss, it's the basics. So yeah. cutting out the refined sugar and the bad fats. And the bad starches, you know, and then explaining to them and emailing it to them and writing it down. Even if I have to go to their house and go through their kitchen cabinet, mm-hmm. I'll do that. I will do that for them. And then teaching them to shop the perimeter and right. teaching them, you know, to make farm stands and, you know, local farmers, their friends, and shopping there, mm-hmm. you know, for the seasonal fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, you get down to basics. You just get down to the basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right because I've done that myself as far as going into kitchens and helping people, helping clients to figure out where do they go from there because, you know, a lot of people when they first start having to eat a different way, and I don't know how many of your clients have celiac disease, but just going into a new directive of how to eat is a challenge enough. And then if you combine that with someone who is celiac disease, that's even, you know, it's a double whammy. But you know, everybody will yeah. get everybody will get there. Everybody eventually they have to be patient. They can't expect the changes in a month or two months even. You know, it could take a year, but eventually they will get there. 
Yes, and I, I always tell them 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Start with 12 weeks. If you start with less than 12 weeks, you're cu- you're just cutting yourself short. You, It took you this long to get the current body and state of health that you have. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, you're 30 years old. It took you 30 years to mm-hmm. achieve whatever whatever you have. It's not going to take you four weeks to transform that. Right. Start with 12, you know, with 12 weeks. And I do. I have four clients currently who have celiac. And believe it or not, I have six with diabetes. Oh, okay. Yep. So they need to be very careful and mindful of what they eat, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. And about becoming a fitness trainer, if someone listening is thinking, okay, I, you know, Maria's got a book and she's a fitness trainer, what if they say, you know, I just I would like to look into this whole fitness training thing maybe for a career or for a hobby, what would be your advice to them about going in forward and getting the certification as a fitness trainer? Was well, it? you know, I think it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I think it's a lot similar to, you know, what, when you ask what would be the steps they take to writing a book. So why? Why do you want to be a fitness trainer? Who do you want to help? And then, you know, once you have those answers, mm-hmm. there's so many different um, places that you can research. Mm-hmm. I got my certifications through the International Sports Science Association, the ISSA, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot. Uh, you know, I thought the program was great. Um, I did almost all my certifications there, and I would say that if this is something that you want to do, and you know why you want to do it, and who you want to help, <laughs> then check out their website, the ISSA. And, you know, people can always contact me through Instagram or Facebook, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm happy to help whoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. People need help. You know, they need they need someone. So, And tell us your website again. Uh, it's com. And uh, Instagram and Facebook are at BeABetterYouFitness. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think people would really benefit from following you because I I follow you and I find everything is so motivating and inspiring. And it's like, you know, you had last week about your sugar, your sneaky sugar little things going on. And, you know, people have been in that same situation and they need to know that they're not alone. And, And overcoming that, it can be challenging for the first day, the first week, but... You know, sometimes like you have, you know, you have your four clients who have diabetes. Sometimes you have to make those changes whether you want to or not. It's just a matter of your health and living a better life. So, yes, it, that's exactly what it is. It's about being a better you. And anybody that I can help, and the same for you, anybody that you can help, you help, right. which I love, you know, and that's what it's all about. Life is really just about helping others get through it the best that they can right well I want to thank you today Maria for coming and and sharing all of this with the listeners and you know I'm sure that people were going to be able to grab a lot of takeaway things from this and a lot of aha moments that they'll be having on their end too thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule well thanks Lori I appreciate you and it was my pleasure Thank you for tuning in today to listen to my interview with Maria Fowler. 
I hope that you'll take what you've heard and let Marie's experiences inspire you to keep moving forward. Endless blessings to all of you. Until next time, take very good care. Bye.